In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A young wife came home one day from shopping with a very expensive dress. And her husband asked her, why did you spend so much money on that dress? The young lady said, well, the devil made me do it. And her husband asked, well, then why didn't you tell him to get behind me Satan? He said, I did say that. But he said it looked better from the back than it does from the front. <laughs> so I bought it. That was the cleanest temptation joke I know. I always, <laughs> I always like to start this week when I have to preach it with something kind of uplifting after we come into a penitential uh, entry like the one we come into in Lent. But um, the fact is this morning, friends, um, all of us have to deal with temptation in our lives, and we know that. And every year on the first Sunday of Lent, we hear about Jesus walking through the wilderness being tempted by the devil for 40 days. So every week when we give to this, every year when we come to this text, I like to provide a little bit, a little bit of biblical context on this setup and also try to give you an idea of what the enemy is going to try to do in, his, in our lives the same way he did with Jesus. So I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to chapter uh, 4 of Luke's Gospel. We're going to begin at the third verse this morning. But before we get started here, I want, I want to pause for just a moment and point out two things. Number one, there's some context you need to know that comes up prior to these verses that we come to in Luke 4 today. And I also want you to kind of watch going forward in your life, in your journey in the wilderness that's out there, of one of the techniques that the enemy continues to use that he used in Jesus in the wilderness that he continues to use in our lives today. Because there's a common pattern that he likes to use in this context. First, what we notice here in Jesus' life that was going on was Jesus was at a high mark in his life. He was happy. He was coming off a spiritual high in his life. In fact, he was coming off his baptism. Temptation, my friends, often comes after a spiritual or mountaintop experience in our lives. It's common. Secondly, we notice in Jesus' life that he was hungry in this, con in this passage here today, that he had eaten for 40 days. Temptation often comes at times of physical and emotional weakness in our lives. And finally, we see the third ploy of the enemy is he usually likes to attack us when we're alone. Jesus was alone in the wilderness. He was exhausted, and there was no one around. Temptations often come when we're alone and we're not accountable to someone else in our lives. So with that being said, I'd like for you to join me. We'll go ahead and launch this thing here at verse 1. So follow along with me on the screen or in your Bible. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during these days. When they were ended, he was hungry. Well, that's a good place to pause right there. Keep in mind that just prior to these verses in Luke's gospel in the third chapter, John had just baptized Jesus. And at that moment, a supernatural moment, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. And God spoke from heaven and proclaimed for everyone to hear that Jesus was his beloved son 
and that with him he was well pleased. So in that moment, Jesus' deity was fully revealed. Luke went on in his third chapter in his gospel to identify Jesus in his human genealogy by dating him all the way back to Adam. So in the chapter prior to this, Jesus' deity and his humanity have been revealed. Scripture reveals before us today that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet he never sinned. Friends, as we all know, temptation is reality to us all. But Jesus in this passage today is seen as a man, no different than any of us. His deity is also seen because his authority of the Son of God to overcome the attacks of the enemy are also revealed. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us, and this is a good verse I would point out for all of you to keep in your toolbox. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. How many have forgot that and it cost them everything? Countless numbers. Maybe you're sitting here today as a relatively new believer. A new creation in Christ, we'd like to say. And you're thinking, well, I know I'm a new creation, but I'm still struggling with those old temptations that I had in my life prior to becoming a new creation. The same temptations that I had B.C., before Christ. Or maybe you're an old person like me who's been in the church a long time. And you still wonder from time to time, why am I still dealing with these same temptations, challenges, and hardships? Why do they still attack me and come at me? Friends, that's nothing unique to any of us in the Christian walk. None of us. All of us are targets of Satan. All of us. And as we all know, he knows how to get into our minds. He knows how to plant seeds how to plant seeds of failure and doubt that can trip us and the attacks that he comes upon our lives with. And we're all under attack every day by the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, which is our external foe out there, the broken worldview that says there's no God, there's no hope. And there's the flesh, our internal foe, that is driven by our own human desires and needs. And the devil, our infernal foe, attacks and tempts all Christians throughout their whole Christian walk. Friends, we're all under attack. No matter how long we believed, and believe it or not, temptation is part of God's plan for our lives. Now listen clearly. Scripture makes it very clear that God does not tempt us. But he does allow us to live in a world that's full of temptations, which confirms our need for a Savior, our need for Jesus. Folks, the difference between testing and tempting is the motive. God will test us to grow us. Satan will tempt us to steal, kill, and destroy us and destroy our Christian witness. 
God will always provide us a way to escape temptations, as you just heard read from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. James goes on to tell us in his, in his letter, in the first chapter in the 12th verse, blessed is a man who endures temptation. Folks, enduring and resisting temptation is where we are strengthened and made more usable in God's hand. Resisting temptation is almost like weight training. You know, you take the muscle and you stretch it. And when you do that, it strengthens it. It's the same way in our Christian walk. And the truth is, was we can't avoid those temptations. But we can take measures to protect us and help us resist and overcome temptations in this lifetime. In fact, the main point of this entire chapter here, right, these verses day before us, is that Jesus has overcome and that we can overcome in him and through him. Keep in mind once again that Jesus in these verses that we're going to study today was tempted as a man, just like all of us, human beings. In fact, when Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, he's talking about you and I. Jesus didn't use some spiritual super weapon to defeat Satan in the desert. He fought off temptation with the very same weapon, this one right here, that you've been armed with. But if you don't have your weapon in your head and in your heart, it's going to be too late to reach for it when the attack comes. Friends, our weapon is God's holy word along with prayer, fasting, and meditation. That's how we endure temptation. Before we go any further today, I want to go ahead and start by biblically defining what temptation might be. What is temptation? Temptation is the seduction or enticement to fulfill a God-given desire in a God-forbidden way. Let's say that once again. Temptation is a seduction to en or enticement to fulfill a God-given desire in a God-forbidden way. Folks, we all have God-given desires. Temptation is when Satan, the world, the flesh, comes at, at us and perverts our God-given desires to entice us to, to fill those desires in some ungodly, unhealthy, sinful way. So with all that being said, we'll be out of here in about two, because we're getting ready to get into the text now. Let's go ahead and take a look at round one in this three-ring wilderness showdown between Jesus as he goes blow for blow with our infernal foe, the devil, starting at verse 3. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to come bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Here Jesus first reveals his weapon, God's holy word. He's going to quote three times from the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, it's interesting, Deuteronomy was one of the most well-known books of the Jesus' time. And it's one of the ones where, as we are Christians, we try to fast forward through when we start becoming into our Christian life. Go back and read this book. This is where Jesus defends off the enemy. Satan's first blow in round one is thrown in the arena of physical appetites. Our physical appetites, or maybe better said, our physical needs might 
probably relate easier to us today, is what he comes at Jesus at in this first arena. Keep in mind, once again, Jesus is fasting. He's hungry. He's had no food or water. One commentator, in fact, said Jesus was probably closer to death at this moment than any other moment in his life other than when he went before the cross that last time. Jesus was starving. So the devil comes up to him, maybe flipping a stone in his hand at the time. He says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, just turn this stone into bread. I want you to also notice today in these temptation passages before us, Satan never really questions Jesus to be the Son of God. He knew very well who Jesus was, my friends. He knew who he was from the very start. He knew he was dealing with God in human flesh. He also knew Jesus was starving and weak, so he tempts him in his physical needs in that moment. He says, go ahead, Jesus. Have a bite of bread. Turn that stone into bread. Your father's not taking care of you. He's not meeting your needs. How's your ministry going to get off the ground if you die out here in the desert, starving to death? Go ahead. Turn that stone into bread, Jesus. Friends, the first temptation in the realm of our physical needs. We all can fill in the blank in our lives of what those physical needs might be. Food, sex, sleep, health, wealth, power, prestige, and on and on and on. The devil whispers the very same lies in all of our ears. God's not meeting your needs. You've been trusting in God for a long time. You've been waiting on him to answer that prayer. But nothing's happening. You're a child of God. Why shouldn't you have those things right now? That's when the devil whispers in our ears once again, go ahead, gratify yourself. After all, what happens in the desert stays in the desert. You're alone. Nobody will know. Friends, every day, every day, we all are given a choice, a choice to obey or disobey God. Are you listening? Are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. Amen. amen. Every day we have a choice. Trust God and obey his will or disobey his will for our lives. As my mom used to say, trust and obey, there's no other way. I sure wished I would have paid more attention to that a time or two in my life. When we resist and overcome, we get God's best for our lives instead of life's worst, which is what the enemy wants us to have. As we all know, and we all can attest here today, Satan is a very persistent foe in our lives. He doesn't give up very easily. So the bell rings in our story today in round two. So we follow along at verse five. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours, Jesus. Here the devil takes Jesus up. Be it physically or spiritually, we really don't know. 
The devil gives him a how-to glimpse of all the kingdoms of the world, past, present, and future. And Jesus sees them all. Babylon, Rome, America, and all the powerful kingdoms of this broken world. And Satan then says, I'll give you authority and glory over all this, Jesus. It can all be given to you right now if you will just worship me. Notice here, Jesus doesn't rebuke this brazen statement from Satan. Because God in his will, which is beyond our understanding, has given Satan dominion over this world. Satan was saying, Jesus, you can have all that you have seen right now. I'll give it to you right now. We live in a culture of right now, don't we? Here it is, Jesus. And all be yours if you'll just worship me. First temptation we saw was aimed at our physical appetites or physical needs. This temptation here is aimed at our spiritual allegiance. Or better said, who is it that we will serve in this lifetime? The fact is, Jesus will one day rule over all those kingdoms that he saw. And every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Christ and Lord. But here Satan, my friends, was offering Jesus a shortcut. A shortcut. A kingdom without a cross. Once again, Jesus responded to the temptation with God's holy word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. He said in verse 8, and he quotes once again from Deuteronomy, it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only, Shall you serve? Friends, whatever you worship in this life is what you're serving in this life. Whatever you worship in this life is what you serve in this life. We're called to worship God in spirit and truth and to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Scripture tells us that we can't worship two gods. you worship God, you will serve God. If you worship idols, pleasures, people, places, or things, you will find yourself serving those things. That's how people get destroyed by addictions and drawn away from the love of God. Folks, there are no shortcuts. There is no easy way. There is no easy, softer way. There is no crown without a cross. There's only one way, friends. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he tells us very clearly that we must deny ourselves in this life, pick up our cross, and follow him. The day is reading before us. In round three, the temptation arena is our personal ambition. Look at verse 9. And he took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Here Satan takes Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem. And he sits him on the top of the temple in the southeast corner, 450 feet above the Kidron Valley. And again he says, if you are the son of God, Jesus, 
Just what kind of son and savior are you going to be? Prove yourself, Jesus. In this temptation, Satan quotes Psalm 91, but he quotes it incorrectly. You see, he's trying to tempt Jesus to test his father's power by appealing to Jesus' pride, appealing to his personal ambition. Satan was saying, you know what, man, I won't believe it until I see it. He's testing God, my friends. Scripture is pretty clear. We don't want to do that. He's saying, I won't believe in you until you show me on my terms, Jesus. Prove yourself. The angels will save you. Everyone will see this stunt, Jesus. They'll all believe in you. It'll prove everything. Go ahead. Prove yourself. Jesus responds in verse 12, quoting once again the third time from the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus replies, do not put the Lord God the test friends we don't need to test God this passage reveals that our temptations will often take place in these three arenas in our lives our physical appetites which are our physical needs our spiritual allegiance who will we serve and our personal ambitions who will we exalt in this lifetime when Jesus says do not put the Lord God to, your, to the test he was saying, we are not to presume upon or to test the goodness or grace of our God. If we jump off the cliff, we're jumping out of the will of God. And if we just expect his grace to speed team of angels to save us from certain disaster because of our ignorance, that's a bad decision. Friends, God may choose to save us from our own stupidity. Lord only knows he has certainly saved me from mine a time or two in this lifetime. But we cannot expect him to save us from the consequences of bad decisions when we step out of God's will for our lives. In all these temptations, Jesus used the word of God to overcome, friends. All of them. And this heavyweight battle in the wilderness comes to an end in verse 13. It says, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. He departed till an opportune time. Every time you think you're having a victory, right around the corner waiting on you again, man. Every time. Scripture doesn't tell us how many times Jesus was tested before he got to the cross. But we knew that he was, we all knew today, that he took on his final battle with the enemy. And he defeated him forever on the cross. The good news in this passage before us today is that we've been given the very same power through the powerful word of God to overcome life's temptations. Friends, sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. The choice is yours. But you've got to pick the thing up, and you've got to read it. And you've got to put it in your heart and in your mind not doing any good sitting on the counter at home. Joshua 1.8 tells us, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then 
Will you prosper and succeed in all you do? Who in this world, in this room right now, does not want to prosper and succeed in this life? All of us do. How many of us want to prosper and succeed against the temptations of that devil? All of us do. Because all of us have a target on our heads. My question before you today is, before I step out of here, is how will you respond to Satan's temptations during this Lent season? God will test us, folks, to bring out our best, and Satan will tempt us to bring out our worst. I want to leave you with this true story that illustrates this. Cargo ship captain had a regular route that he ran from Columbia to Southern California. One day before he departed, a drug dealer came up and offered him $50,000 to move a small amount of drugs into California. The captain quickly said no. On each of his next trips, the dealer raised the offer $50,000 each time until he finally reached $200,000 for one run. After that $200,000 offer, the captain hesitated. And he said, well, maybe. Let me think about it. As soon as he was gone, the captain called the FBI, and they set up a sting operation that successfully arrested the drug dealers. One of the FBI agents asked the captain, I'm just curious, Captain. Why did you wait until the offer got to $200,000 before contacting us? The captain replied, they were getting close to my price. <laughs> Friends, when Satan gets close to our price, we have been flirting with that temptation a little too long. We're living way too far out on the edge of our faith at that time. Don't wait till you lose the battle of temptation to come back to the center of your faith, my friends, and pick up the weapon. Paul warns us all in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Let anyone who thinks he stands firm take heed, lest he fall. Friends, have a blessed and holy Lent, and arm yourself in this season with this book for the temptations that wait beyond the 40 days for the remainder days of our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.